You're listening to Hayes Radio Network, Cannabis Lifestyle Radio. All right. How is it going out there, everybody? Welcome to yet another episode of Cure to Consumption. Episode three. This is episode three. So exciting. And with that, I'm Lance Lambert. That is Mia Jane. Hello, hello. And I guess we should throw out our handles, you know, not to to be all Gen X here, but I totally forgot, you know, so I'm at 805 Lance, no matter Snap, Insta, Twitter, Facebook, whatever. And I am at MS underscore Mia, M-I-A underscore J-A-N-E, Miss Mia Jane on Instagram and Twitter. Yeah. And fun to watch. Again, that's, I I said that in our first episode, you know, I just, not only do I not have the time, I don't have the energy (laughs) to follow a lot of people in social media. And I feel bad. I, every once in a while, I'm like, maybe I should stop and interact with the people that are interacting with me. Um, Because I was always just go, 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 you know, doing, I think I told you me 120,000 miles in the air doing, gosh, just under 40 shows in, in 2019, did 46 shows and 2018. So before the pandemic, I just didn't have the time. But you were one that I always enjoyed watching because it's just so like, especially from a from a SoCal standpoint, like the simple appreciations. Like you just go, you love chilling at the beach. You've yeah. got your dog. You've got the beach. You blaze. It's There's the simple things. Yeah, it is. It's the simple <laughs> things. It's not the look at the bag I just got. This is the same thing that Kim was spotted with hanging out with Kanye. Like it, you aren't that typical SoCal. So again, uh, she's just a, a... The only bag I want to be caught with is one of the ones with heady weed in it, okay? All right? <laughs> exactly. That's my kind of bag. <laughs> exactly. Exactly true. And on that note, speaking of heady bag, you know, we were just talking before the episode, we always catch up and just talk shop. And uh, of course, both of us being the cannabis uh, professionals and cannoisseurs that we are, we're talking about what we were consuming. And um, yeah, you you always seem to have, as far as following your feed, you know, always seem to have good stuff in your bags of weed. But we will get into that uh, by the end of the show because I think we already have our guest on, Miss Liz Blaze. Are you there? I am. Can you hear me? I can hear you. And I'd like to really quick, just to be formal, introduce you to Mia Jane, my co-host. She is here on the mic as well. Mia Liz, Liz Mia. Hey there, Mia Jane. Hey Liz, thanks for joining us on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. Sorry if my dogs say hi. Yeah, super excited. <laughs> Speaking of dogs, she loves her dogs too. So very cool. Well, my gosh, Liz, this has been a minute. Um, you know, of course, one thing we do, I guess, on the show is always a little bit of reflection and going back. And typically I kind of give the backstory before the guest comes on, but we jumped right into it today. Um, I remember, I want to say, because it's a photographic memory, so I kind of have to recall a certain way. It was a convention. I want to say it was... Um, NCIA when it was still in Oakland when we first met in it was 2000 my gosh 16 or 17 it's it's been a few years it's been a few years right it has yeah I think that's right so, <laughs> and I think you're right about that back when uh back when the conferences used to have all the happy hours and everything would uh would spill out and just, uh, it was, it was a good time, right. To gather. But yeah, as you yeah. mentioned, I think everyone's just missing that, but yeah, uh, an yeah. NCIA conference, I think that was, uh, many, many companies ago for me and for you. Lance, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. And that's, that is what's interesting about this industry because I thought about that and we can talk about just now your opinion, Liz, you know, 
before getting into cannabis from mainstream media, you know, I did six years at Scripps, did, you know, three years at Carfax, you know, it was three years at DFM, you know, it was kind of climbing that ladder. And then to your point, when I did segue into this uh, industry, you know, the opportunities and the evolution that, that comes with the industry kind of encourages you to go in different directions. Uh, but you've been at some interesting place. I mean, one place I remember is back when you were at Phylos before Oh, the proverbial shit hit little, the fan. Such a small blip on the great radar of things. <laughs> it yeah. was. It was quick. You were got in and out. But but you're right. I mean, all the way back to yes, it was you're you're spot on. It was a spillover. It was at the bowling alley. Gosh, what's the name of it? Not Brooklyn Bowl. The bowling alley down on um the water in Oakland. It was at um my gosh, why can't I remember right now? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, down Jack London Square. Yeah, it was at Jack London Square, <laughs> and we and they rented like they rented out the backbone, whatever company that was blowing yeah. all of their investment right. funds, right? And they rented out the back of the bowling alley, and we were outside on the patio, and everyone was literally just consuming out on the patio in Oakland. I would have never thought that growing up in the Bay Area, you know, ten. 20, 30 years earlier, would have never thought that I'd be, you know, bowling and smoking in Oakland legally, mm -hmm. legally. <laughs> yeah, right. And uh, thinking back now that it's COVID times, just everyone being like, oh my God, try this pen, oh, take this, yes. Oh my God. Everyone passing, passing to the left for sure. And the vape pens, no joke. I mean, there'd be total strangers that'd walk up and be like, oh my gosh, if you're a Terp fan, you got to try this. So, so many. It's come a long way. <laughs> so yeah. So what, so where you're still, you're still based, I know, and we'll get into where you're at now. Um, but even though the company's based in one place, you're still up in the Northwest, right? Yes. I, uh, I'm in Portland, Oregon, uh, is where my my dogs and my ducks and the, the stuff I plant in the ground lives uh, <laughs> and uh, make my way kind of up and down uh, the coast out here, spend a little bit of time in Northern California and Southern Oregon as well. I remember that. I remember you talking about that because that's, uh, and I was just talking to me, I usually do my, my annual migration in the spring and fall back up to NorCal and, and go visit friends' farms and seeing what the greatest genetics are. But to your point, something for our viewers, you know, you hear about the Emerald Triangle and uh, yes, that's, you know, incorporating, you know, primarily Humboldt and Mendocino, but all the way up into Trinidad and such too. And, um, you know, that, in my opinion, the triangle really extends up into Medford and almost to Grants Pass, right? Because there's some phenomenal stuff coming out of, rather be TKO farms up there, or Sugar Tree farms. And, you know, I think, I think Sugar Tree is in Medford and, and uh, TKOs in um, Eagle Point, you know, shout out to those yeah. guys. But I mean, there's fire being grown all over that region and you do, you get down there fairly often, right? Yeah, I've got some family and some good friends down in the area. So, you know, I always making excuses to, to go through and, and say <laughs> hi. Uh, a little less now, but um, yeah, definitely the, uh, I think I started going down to Southern Oregon to uh, a good buddy's farm. I, I don't know if if you remember back with the uh, the Blaze with us days, <laughs> oh, <laughs> which was just me yeah. and my, my buddy Whitney. Yeah. Um, and she had a, a wholesale company here in Oregon. But one of our good friends had a farm down south. Um, just you know, kind of normalized the whole uh, woman farmer doing everything herself, <laughs> making her own inputs, uh, growing regeneratively. For me, um, so yeah, spent a lot of time uh, just. Yeah, getting our hands dirty down there and having fun smoking weed, growing weed. That sounds amazing. Yeah, and that's and that's <laughs> right? true. That's something we should point out. It's it's not a bunch of you know 
kind of crusty guys with beards hanging out on the hill, to your point, being a member of HCGA. Yeah, oh, there's, (laughs) yeah, if you don't have a beard, people, it's kind of inverse. It's like, if you don't have a beard, people don't trust you up there versus if you have a beard, you might be kind of sketchy, Mm -hmm. hipster or homeless kind of equation. But, you know, being a member of HCGA, Humboldt County Growers Alliance, I mean, man, there was, I love the balance um, of, as far as diversity, not just gender, but I mean, backgrounds, ethnicity, everything. But I was, I was impressed with that because traditionally that's not what NorCal was kind of known for, you know, years ago. So um, definitely great to hear that. But I want to segue into, and I need to congratulate you because knowing that you're based out of uh, the greater Portland Metro, on Oregon's stellar year, they had a record year of selling for the first time ever over a billion dollars of legal cannabis in 2020. That is awesome. So did you did yeah. you notice that influx in the local market? Did you hear, see, smell more people consuming cannabis? <laughs> <there? laughs> right, um, right. We'll see, and that's fairly significant um, uh, just because of Oregon's population. Also, right, like we are, yeah. uh, we have a lot of stores, but not not that many people comparatively. Um, so yeah, I, I I do think that there were a lot more people. Um, you know, just not even just within, um, you know, friends of the industry and things like that, but a lot more first timers just like, hey, I'm going to be at my house. I may as well go get some edibles and try this. And I've got off work for or maybe I do or, you know, maybe I'm an essential worker and yeah. I'm, I've, I've got to recover quicker, whatever it is. Um, I do think there was a, a pretty big influx of people just like, fuck it, you know, yeah. <laughs> if I'm honest. Yeah. And that's and you. You make a really good statement because people don't know that it's the population of Oregon's just over four million. I think four point two last last uh, census. Yep. It's it's not a big. It's a it's a healthy size state, but it's technically you know definitely in the lower you know lower twenty as far as pop goes. But that's a big number. I mean, a billion dollars even to a population of four point two, and even say hypothetically that twenty percent consume. You know, you just kind of take it into yeah. equation. Um, but what do you think? It, it, what do you think the influx was to as well? Because I've met plenty from Uber drivers to to individuals, you know, while up there at conventions. Because Portland has a, a couple of really cool mm-hmm. Amos conventions too. Um, there's a lot of people that grow. Do you think people just, even though there was the pandemic and they're locked down, they just weren't in the mood to grow their own, or or they just felt safer purchasing? Do you think maybe that was some of the factor into this this influx? So I hate to joke, but I also, uh, you know, it's. I'm not joking. Uh, have you heard of the state of Idaho? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I've actually, um, I'll, well, I'll get into the story. You, you tell me yours and I'll tell you mine. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, you can look at, um, you know, purchase data um, at, at where things move around the state. And it is, uh, it's interesting to see um, that uh, a lot, you know, we have kind of, you know, Oregon in itself has a couple of different, you know, Portland is uh, upper Northwest, you know, you've got Eugene down as you go down I-5. And then as we mentioned, some of that stuff, there's Ben that people know kind of in the middle of the state. And then Eastern Oregon is uh, where really interesting things happen. Uh, there's a, a lot of cannabis that is uh, purchased and sold out that way, um, you know, and it does border some states that have uh, some laws that are not so favorable. So I do think people coming into the state um, to purchase Oregon cannabis and, uh, you know, hopefully using it here, um, I guess, it's, uh, is what I'd say is likely what's going on. Um, also, you know, a lot of hemp farmers, a lot of products that have been, uh, a lot of farms that transitioned over, I'd say, from, from cannabis to hemp in some cases. So, yep. yeah, just, just a lot of opportunity. Um, and I do think on the 
consumer side, it, like I said, a lot of a lot of new consumers um, that at this point uh, by 2020 are looking at all these other states voting on this and, um, you know, looking at all the products in the mainstream and, and just, like I said, kind of like, why not at this point? Yeah, for sure. And you, you you make a very valid point. And that's that's what my story, you know, we did a Oregon Trail. Uh, gosh, this was, I guess, um, two years ago now and started out in Portland, you know, went out to the coast, uh, hit up Lincoln City and then down to Newport, popped back into Cavales, down to Eugene, up over to Ben, staying with a friend in, in Ben for a few days, got a house out there. And then that same guy actually has a home. He's in the industry, has a home back in Boise because that's where he originally grew up. So he knows he wants to retire and live there. So. He's like, hey, you know, I know you wanted to check out Idaho. You've never been there. So just fly out to Idaho. You can stay at my house over there. So we're going. He's like, hey, you have to stop by in a little town called Hines, Oregon. And it's on the way. It's literally about halfway between Bend and and essentially Boise Valley, right? Napa, mm-hmm. technically. And um, so I stop in and it's this kick-ass. Just, it's Tumbleweed uh, Cannabis Company. And just a really cute little dispensary on the side of the road. And exactly to your point, Liz, there's like, you know, three gas stations, a couple of restaurants. It was really not much to this town. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if there's a yeah. light. Maybe there's <laughs> one street light. <laughs> but they had this canvas dispensary. And then fast forward, and I was over there in, in Boise. Um, it was a, a few trips later, happening passing through. And um, this friend happens to have a buddy he grew up with who's a district attorney. Um, and he works for a county that butts up against uh, the Oregon border, Idaho, Oregon. And Liz, you make a really good point. So Idaho is this anomaly, and that's a state I'm really pushing for, uh, but they're surrounded by seven states. Six of those states are legal cannabis states, medical or adult use, right? And then Canada. I mean, so they're they're literally being just surrounded with legalization, but this this, uh, DA, he was like, yeah, he's like... You know, people come back if the officers pull him over and yeah, he's like, yeah, we just we catch him really. I don't prosecute. He's like, come on. He's like, we're, we're behind. We know that. I'm open-minded. Most of the politicians are, but this is a red state, very red for being west of the Mississippi, Oregon and, and Arizona for sure. Or I'm sorry, Idaho and, and Arizona for sure are definitely the most red on this side of the country. And he's like, but it is what it is. So we have these laws. But even he knew about it and obviously the officers knew about it too. Mm-hmm. So is a good point that a lot of it's going out. And we saw that in Colorado. We saw one of the, the yeah. most successful dispensaries was down in Pueblo. I'm like, it's freaking Pueblo. There's not even, they don't even have the steelworks there. They don't, they're doing anything anymore. And is there one coming up from New Mexico that couldn't get into their medical program that was coming up and buying it? And same with Wyoming and same with Kansas and For sure. all the rest of it. So <laughs> crazy stuff. So what are you doing, Liz? What are you doing? I think you're working for a pretty big player in the industry. So tell us a little bit more about yeah. that, about what you've had going on. Yes, um, I am and have been for about a year uh, working with Hiller PC, uh, which is a law firm out of uh, New York City, Manhattan. Uh, They are fantastic folks. Uh, We're a a small firm. Um, I think there is uh, 12 of us total. Um, Everybody else is is on the the East Coast, um, but uh, partner Michael Hiller is, um, I- I've been such a fan of him for years, and uh, another partner, Lauren Rudick, who I, I know you as well, Lance, yeah, yep. um, is just, her and I have been friends for a while and uh, had the opportunity to, to do some work with them, and I'm, I'm so grateful to be able to, um, I-, I run social media for them and uh, a little bit of our outreach Sounds boring. Uh, social media for a law firm, maybe. Um, <laughs> I, I beg to differ uh, with the folks I work for. Um, they are probably 
they're best known for a lot of things. Uh, the other partner I wanted to throw in there too, who I know you know Lance is is David Feldman. Um, oh yeah. So, uh, and the rest of our team, just fantastic folks. Um, but in in cannabis, we're probably best known for the. Uh, lawsuit that went to the Supreme Court last yep. year, um, yep. Washington v. Barr. Uh, a few years ago, we sued uh, our, our plaintiffs. We sued um, on behalf of our plaintiffs. The, uh, the, yeah, some some uh, celebrities the, and some kids alike. <laughs> yeah, the, the Attorney General at the time, um, Jeff Sessions, yep. and uh, the DEA, the DOJ. Um, in the uh, the claim is that um, having cannabis. Uh, Schedule 1 is unconstitutional. Uh, so we were aiming to remove cannabis from the Controlled Substances Act entirely. Um, actually had a, a kind of a really historic run, which I appreciate your help in, in amplifying that, Lance. Um, but we uh, we had uh, did this kind of awesome process, which I know you kind of understood too more, more than most people, but oh, yeah. um, basically had this thing where we uh, – we wrote or we did an appeal to the Supreme Court, um, and again, I'm I'm not a lawyer <laughs> for, for the court, so sorry if I'm butchering some of this terminology. But um, it was basically this process where you appeal the Supreme Court. Uh, you can reach out and get support in the form of amicus briefs, which are basically like uh, friends of the court. Um, you know, people not involved in the case, but that have uh, support for your case. Uh, normally, people get. One, maybe. Uh, we had nine of them. Um, one of them was, uh, I believe, seven um, Congress folks, uh, including Earl Blumenauer. Um, yeah. Really just and a the huge shout-out to uh, Fatima, um, Fatima Afia on that. Um, she is an associate at Hiller that really drove that kind of um, collective effort of getting all those folks together and just, uh, yeah, it was really cool, you know, I, I guess, to make it more relevant. Um that is what I'm doing, but also just in terms of, uh, you know, cannabis legalization and all the wonderful things happening this year. It's like nobody can agree on anything in terms of, but then yeah. we can agree on cannabis. And uh, I think this was kind of like a real, um, you know, a real demonstration of that. All these folks that uh, supported this case and plaintiffs in the case along the way over these last few years that are normally like, not on the same side of things with it, or they are yeah. on the same side of things within the cannabis industry. But you know, to see all these big names and big players, and you know, it's it was really cool to to see the unity in that. Um, you know, with the understanding that hey, this is something that impacts us all. Uh, so so we need to understand it and get behind it. So and it's and it's interesting, and I do. And Hiller, for those that don't know, definitely a guy to watch because he has been moving and shaking and getting stuff done. And um, it is interesting. I came across because I, to your point, definitely a supporter of Liz and love those guys. Great team. To your point, I I would only support that. Uh, but it is interesting because just uh, several months ago, uh, you know, I was working on a project and something came up about who's supporting, who's sponsoring, this and that. And a person had like a different opinion. Like, oh, well, they're, they're going about the wrong way, you know, going to the Supreme Court and, and trying to get this shifted. Da, da, da. You know, you have to more so plea with the government than challenge the government. I'm like, uh, OK, I, I didn't look at it from that perspective. I mean, I know. there's no persuading. You know, like you get it when you have a well, bunch of blue hairs. There's always that, critics, right? Yeah, um, but yeah. no, I, I think um, Michael Hiller had a, a wonderful point um, that he's made consistently after uh, the Supreme Court, uh, basically, by the way, for the viewers, the Supreme Court denied hearing the petition. Yep. Um, it's just simply they just have to say no. They don't have to give an explanation. We were on a list of, um, you know, 
couple dozen that got denied that day. So it's 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 not completely unexpected. It's just um you know what what we deal with. But yeah. to your point, Lance, a lot of people in their criticism, um, which has been well received on our end, you know, uh, we kind of have to dismantle this brick by brick. You know, oh, yeah. the Brown versus Board of Education wasn't one case; it was uh, a bunch of different things that went on. So that uh, that that we uh, we have some things, uh, like you said, keep keep an eye on us. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. We've got some things, no, seriously. Uh, with with that same, um, you know, it, th- at this point, it's 2021. It's if we can't have access to cannabis, what are we doing for everyone? You're right. And, you know? <laughs> and I hate to say it, but proof of concept. And a lot of people, you know, you're on the West Coast, Liz, you've had ties to California. You know, we're both living in California, me and myself. And it's interesting because it doesn't matter if it's the cafe emissions for, for automobiles or if it's cannabis or anything else in between. A lot of people do say, as goes California, so does the country. And to a certain extent, that's one case. But to your point also, I mean, it's it's a four-fifths majority now as far as some level of legalization of cannabis. I'd rather be very strictly monitored for um, strictly, you know, prescription only on a very finite basis in Texas, all the way to full-blown adult use and, and medical programs like Oregon, California, Colorado, et cetera. But I mean, the, the proof of concepts there and even more so, and I know you get frustrated like me, like we've been doing this with one hand tied behind our back, right? Not being able to have banking, not being able to have in certain instances, the level of insurance that's needed, you know, not having those same protections and abilities, let alone the, the, the deals and tax breaks that other legitimate businesses do that are profiting, you know, and, and obviously passing along those taxes to everything from the local coffers to the federal level, i.e. to AEE. So I think it's something that, again, fully support you guys and, and totally an advocate. I believe that just like, you know, Roe versus Wade, amongst other cases, you, you do have to force the hand. It's not just a plea bargain. It's not just going and asking if this could be a possibility. It's like, hey, you, you need to give us a valid reason why it's not, not to why it is. And if you're going to reference something all the way back to the days of prohibition and the crazy reefer madness and segregation of minorities and using this, essentially weaponizing this plant, in my opinion, is the term I use, because that's essentially what they did with it to suppress, uh, you know, certain minority groups, you know, decades ago, like just stop, like grow up. It's time to move on. <laughs> Things have changed. People changed. And I think a lot of what happened in, in 2020 um, is going to help with it. And then again, as we keep mentioning, it doesn't hurt that you know, the, the Democrats have taken the upper hand um, because we know that they've always been more of an ally to legalization than Republicans. Now, Republicans love money. That's the thing. It's funny. You know, they <laughs> they definitely love right? money. So that's why it's become a little bit more, you know, if not bipartisan, nonpartisan. Um, but again, I'm looking forward to seeing what's happening in the future. So we'll definitely keep an eye out. And uh, what's the easiest way to keep track? I mean, for me, I, I keep track of you guys via LinkedIn and uh, Google Alerts, but is there a regular place that you post updates more so than others for our, our listeners? Uh, our Instagram, at uh, HillerPC, is a good place to find uh, updates. Also, we're pretty active on, on Twitter, uh, both at Hiller underscore PC, as well as um, at Mike Hiller NYC is uh, Michael Hiller, and then David Feldman is, I believe, at David Feldman 1000 on Twitter. Uh, both both great guys to watch and oh, yeah. uh, did want to throw in as well outside of that federal litigation where we are fighting for, um, you know, access to, to cannabis for everybody. Uh, we do as well. We're really excited about, um, you know, we got into actually that case um, after uh, some discussions in New York where the firm is based about, uh, you know, medical and, and recreational legalization there. So super happy to see, um, you know, 
things moving forward on the East Coast, uh, people are, are starting businesses that way, to your point, Lance, to, to reach out, get in touch with us. Um, social media is a great way to do that. Instagram, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, to your point. And um, you, you may have seen uh, non-cannabis related. Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Just want to uh, tip the hat to this, too. Um, we, we do pride ourselves on Hiller as um, helping out the little guy, protecting the little guy, um, as is evidenced by, by what I just mentioned. But uh, two awesome cases that we are involved in in New York, um, fighting for the men um, that are living at the homeless shelter at the Lucerne Hotel. Uh, we fought for them to be able to, to stay there and not get moved around and kicked around, uh, made some really good progress there. And then also nice. the rezoning on the uh, Gowanus project in Brooklyn. If not, if, if anyone's interested in that, but just, yeah, we, we do this kind of work in and outside of cannabis, um, outside of, of helping with the whole business aspect. So again, I, I love who I work for. So yeah. any, any chance to, <laughs> to get people involved in that. That's good. That's what matters. And that's, that's where I think you and I have always had a similarity. You know, it's, um, we don't live to work. We work to live and having that yeah. proper mentality and being able to actually endorse and have confidence in the company that you're representing you know, that matters, you know, and that's, that's important to you. I can tell. And we've always had good conversations and I've always been able to tell, um, you know, I'm not saying we're BFFs, but I know you well enough over the past several <laughs> years. I can tell when you're in a happy place and when you're not, <laughs> you know, yeah, I've right? seen it when I you've know, been in those. That, uh, that blip you mentioned earlier, that was, that was a lot of sad lives at the shows, right? Yeah. It was like, oh yeah. man, <laughs> gotta, yeah. gotta get on to something better. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. So awesome. Well, that is cool. Definitely appreciate you, you giving the share on that and kind of want to go full circle. So how has it been just with you on, you know, with respect to the pandemic and again, being close to, uh, you know, one of the larger metros, obviously the largest city in the state of Oregon. Um, there's been a lot that's been going up, you know, that's been going on up there in the last year. And, you know, how's that kind of changed your outlook and, and how do you see, again, how cannabis kind of played a role in that beyond you know, people yeah. trying it for the first time. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, uh, so I live in uh, Southeast Portland. Um, my husband who I used to, um, have a actually a consulting company back, back when with, um, and yeah. he works for a, an extractor here in Oregon. Um, but yeah, we, uh, we bought this house in Southeast Portland, um, about a year and a half ago. So, you know, we, we knew we wanted to stay in this area, um, but yeah, kind of pre-pandemic luck, I guess, if that's a yeah. thing. I don't, I don't want to, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't say we had the foresight, but I had gotten, um, involved. And I guess, like you said, uh, how, how cannabis put part in that I've been joking with folks that, uh, cannabis has been my gateway to the farmer's market. Oh, wow. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So, uh, we, um, I, I think Lance, you, um, mentioned, you know, when I get hype on stuff, especially out in the world, but, um, the Dragonfly Earth Medicine Collective oh, yeah. uh, has, has been super influential these last few years on my kind of cannabis journey as well. Uh, for those that don't know, uh, Dragonfly Earth Medicine or DEM Pure is um, they're they're a farm up in um, up in Canada, but also it's a collective of folks that um, have this kind of. Uh, it's an amazing network, but there's also a certification um, that's kind of a beyond organic. Um, there's a lot of the folks in um, on the West Coast. It, it's internationally and all over, really. But um, just adhering to these really awesome um, closed-loop standards. And what I mean Love by that. that is, you know, no bottled nutrients, no yep. bagged soil, and, um, you know, no growing in pots. And uh, just, just really this kind of connection to um, 
living soil and and just really producing uh, these cannabis plants that are yeah, I've, and we we won't go into it here. Maybe maybe another conversation. But yeah, I've I've had some health issues that have um, actually I you know almost had to stop smoking cannabis for a little bit, and then really went solely um, to consuming regeneratively grown flour, um, and really kind of reset my system with with that and diet and proper hydration and that's nice. amazing you know all the yeah. things most all of us matters. need <laughs> um, but yeah. but yeah um circling that back to what we're doing in portland um you know the past few years it's been visiting people's farms helping learning connecting really what i do on my end as a part of that whole scene is um you know push consumer ed on regenerative agriculture and love it how consumers can yeah you know <laughs> get educated that hey it's um, you know, I, I know this date on this package says last year, but what's the difference between this or sun grown and why would I care about this and how it's grown and who grew it? So I joke about the uh, the farmer's market thing because uh, one of the, the amazing farmers in the network that's got a, a farm down right outside of Eugene, they grow incredible cannabis, um, <laughs> also has a really amazing organic food farm and has for a couple decades. Uh, they've got a farmer's market stand up outside of Portland that... I was lucky enough to uh, to get a spot at for several months oh, cool. this year. Um, so just having that interaction of you know going building the booth, setting up all the food, talking to people, it just it really reminded me that um, you know when consumers have a choice, they they really tend to when they have the education around it too, right? Like exactly, I, I, bud tender. It's where I started about. 11 years ago at this point in Colorado and, you know, just having <laughs> so many of us cut your teeth in Colorado. with people, right? It's yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. It's, well, and you, so yeah, um, that's so cool. I mean, and you, for those that don't know, Regen, I mean, it's, it's uh, or closed loop, which I love closed loop farming. Uh, I know a guy up in, um, in grass Valley that puts out phenomenal flour it's not easy, but the quality of product, my gosh, you know, and I know some people love pumping the nutrient. A lot of people love pumping nutrients and to your point, doing the cocoa and, and, you know, injecting their, or even using synthetic soils. But I mean, there's something to be said about living soil and about having everything all encompass. And I, I really think it's a good point you're talking about for those that don't just put a focus on cannabis, but other plants and vegetation as well. And that's, I think, you know, um, Allie, well now Allie Cassidy, finally Charlie married her, but Allie and Charlie who own TKO farms down in uh, Eagle Point. Yeah. They're like yeah, that. Yeah, they were, um, they're, they're all, I actually know of them through, uh, Dragonfly Earth Medicine, ironically yeah. enough. So that's how I found out about Dragonfly. Yeah. And they, but they do the farmer's market and phenomenal organic yeah. vegetables and, and the animal rescue. Yes. And, yeah, yeah. All the cool yep. Yeah. We're actually out there on the farm. Funny stuff. I'm going to say stories. I know, but we were out on the farm one time and there's this little cat and Allie's like, what is it? What is that over there? And we see it, it's just a scroungy looking cat. And I'm like, well, is it your cat? Like, this is her farm. <laughs> like, is that your yeah. cat? She's like, no, I know where it came from. It ended up having uh, a litter with it. We didn't even know, like looked around the corner and all of a sudden there's like half a dozen cats. And it's so cute because I've been watching. She's phenomenal. She was, she's one of the best photojournalists that I've ever had work for me. She worked for me when I ran uh, marijuana.com at Weed Maps. And she just has a good eye, but she has a good way of storytelling. But she's been showing the, you know, this along with her llamas and and all the other, you know, they have this total, you know, they have the ark essentially at their farm. So it's not just, yeah. not just fire flower they're putting out, but I've been seeing this cat over, you know, over the past several months. Anyway, good people. But I think you put a good point that 
um, it helps. And almost when you are doing closed loop, it's extremely beneficial from that compost pile standpoint um, to be working in other spaces and to have something to offset because all these plants and vegetables are seasonal. I mean, even for me, I've got, you know, three citrus trees and they yeah. have their own cycles and I try to keep them cyclical because we're in Southern California, we're spoiled, but, uh, but I can't always do lemonade every day of the year. That's for sure. Or orange juice. Man, but, um, dude, know. I'll tell you, that's, um, the, the last part of my story that I, I get excited and I'm very nonlinear, but <laughs> um, kind of the, the whole, what we've been doing as well is um, on this little half acre that we have, we've been trying to, to homestead a little bit um, oh. and, and apply some, some permaculture techniques yes. um, nice. here, here on our little space. So uh, building some, some Hugo culture beds and, um, you know, just mulching as much as we can. We yep. have a, uh, we have five ducks that are, <laughs> oh, <laughs> we've cool. had for about, a year now, um, which yeah, would be totally un- undo, you know, not, not super realistic with all the traveling I was doing. So <laughs> right. you know, now, now I'm at home in my overalls in my backyard, collecting <laughs> eggs and spreading hay and, you know, watching these ducks chase my dogs. And, but to your point, um, <laughs> I've got a couple, couple fruit trees. We planted a ton of food last year. Um, you know, and just really, really, um, trying to learn how to, how to feed ourselves, how to do things, yeah. how to, yep. you know, go things, you know, take things from this full cycle and grow a lot of seed and a lot of cannabis from food. Um, you know, just really, uh, really, yeah, learned a lot. Um, but yeah, to, um, did want to just add to your point, Lance, about, um, a, a lot of those techniques, um, they are hard, but it's really labor intensive, right? Uh, oh <laughs> you can gosh. get a lot of free shit. Yeah. And I mean that like, you know, I, I actually just was on Craigslist this morning. I picked up a couple of pools for my ducks and buckets and you know, I'm going to go get some loads of mulch later and um, just to, to build this soil and uh, build our compost up and, and use it on our on our little, little mini farm here. So, um, but yeah, you totally can't always... Uh, use everything that you grow. So my, my year has consisted a lot of learning how to preserve and, you know, can and jar and, and yeah. dry and uh, time and job. Oh yes, yeah. make, uh, make seeds, you know, of all these things to plant, uh, to plant now for this next year. So well, and even the soil, um, it's your point. I mean, like for me, like, Oh my God, like keeping out the white flies and making sure you aren't getting larvae. You know, there's just there's so many mm-hmm. things. There's a grower. I follow this guy. I don't know. I don't know what he does for a living. now. maybe he's early retirement. This guy out of the Carolinas and, and he's full closed loop and man, the plants and the vegetable and the guy on top of it, which I could not do props to him. He's full on vegetarian. And so heck, he's probably vegan. But to see him, he literally, he shows you from, from seed to sow. And then yeah. he's setting up his, to your point, he's, he's you know, drying the seeds for next season. He's got seeds every year for his lettuce, his spinach, his kale, his carrots, his tomatoes. And every, I mean, he has it down to a absolute science. But again, what people don't realize, and this is why I, I don't think certain markets that are like, oh, no home grow, East Coast, right? Certain markets that are doing that, which is ridiculous because it's not like it's going to, it's not, it's not micro brew, macro brew and home brew kind of scenario. It takes so much to grow these plants and people are like, oh, but it's a weed. You can just let it, it's like, well, yes, <laughs> you know, kudzu and ivy are also wild things that can grow and survive on their own, even seasonally out there. But if you really want to have a phenomenal, well-rounded product, you know, and, and come out with biomass that's actually worth its weight in medicine, it, it's freaking hard. It's not easy to do, you know, right? <laughs> right. And so, no, I, I completely agree. And I will say for, for anyone listening who is trying to just 
you know, throw some seeds in the ground or, um, you know, have your allotted amount of, of clones or what have you if you're in a state where you can do that. Plant it if you are planting it outside or in a greenhouse with some other plants, um, with some companion plants, uh, borage, comfrey, um, potatoes even are, are great with cannabis. Um, but, yeah, that um, to Lance's point, that means, um, you know, if, if something dies, um, your whole crop isn't lost. And not, not only will everything grow better together in this kind of, um, you know, polyculture, but also, um, yeah, I mean, say you don't get a two pounder outside. Yeah, <laughs> um, you know, I didn't. You can have, a, <laughs> you can have, <laughs> you can not, you can have some, some other stuff. Um, but yeah, yep. that was really cool this year to see what, um, what thrived and what didn't. Um, nasturtium, by the way, is another thing. We had these oh, nasturtium yeah, like bushes oh, all, that just loved some of our weed plants. And, and those are edible make, like, too. Pesto yeah. and all sorts of shit with that. Yeah. So it's it's yeah. really cool. That's it's, you go to some of these fine dining res, restaurants and people don't even know. Yeah. Now, Sertian flour is in a lot of the the garden salads they do. Yeah. Well, yeah. consumable. I just planted oh, some. My yeah. dad used to love those. Yeah. I just planted some in my garden for him, kind of as a remembrance, you know. There's but, tons of it yeah. growing yeah. in my backyard. I would say too, you just reminded me um, microgreens too. Uh, we messed around with that and some uh, some like mushroom blocks this year. And yeah, just just all stuff. It's yeah. If we didn't need it, we fed it to the ducks. You yeah. know, we we kind of had a, a plan for everything. But all that's super fun, especially if we're all cooped up or have have the time or need the routine. It's all so cool to just see all that shit happen, especially oh, with like a fast yeah. turnaround, like mushrooms or microgreens. Yeah. And like and you were talking about companion plants. And for those that don't know, you know, plant, there, there are plants that benefit from other plants being around them. So there's certain uh, thanks to terpenes and, and flavonoids in plants, which all plants have some level of that. Um, they actually help fight off certain insects. Like for me, I did dill and believe it or not, tomato plants. Um, as yeah. my companions this year, this past season, sorry, um, in my garden for my cannabis. And yeah, they work great. I still had to use a little bit of neem oil again for, you know, for the, the white flies, but, um, you know, thanks to another, <laughs> thanks to certain flowers out in the garden, but it's still, it's, it, it is this whole kind of science. And all of a sudden you realize it's this, its own little bio, you know, its own little environment, um, that you're, you're working in. So that's great to hear though. And, and you have a challenge. You are in the Northeast, you're in the Willamette Valley technically, right? So you, you get some of that interesting yeah. kind of climates and ups and downs as far as weather goes. So. Yeah, we're, I think we're what, I think I'm zone nine a is where, if that means anything to anyone, yeah. but yeah, it's yeah. been so fun to nerd out on that stuff. But, um, yeah, we get a lot of like, today's kind of nice. So probably, uh, jump back outside and take advantage of that, but it's it's very wet otherwise. So uh, <laughs> a lot, a so, lot of uh, yeah, ha- have a good raincoat, I guess. Oh my gosh. <laughs> essential out here. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely, and again, and that's, I was just talking earlier uh, to me about it, you know, I've always, I told her, I'm like, yep, my retirement's going to be in the Northwest, and I've I've definitely settled on, you know, Northern Oregon, uh, Southern Washington, you know, love the people, love the energy. Again, we know there's, there's been some crazy times, you know, in the world recently, and a bit of um, bipartisanship, obviously, uh, around a big election, but um, still, you know, don't believe everything you guys hear on the news. Yes. I mean, my, my former right hand, when I was at Greenflower, he actually, he relocated from Pasadena up to Portland, um, during the middle of the pandemic because his wife works in the um, movie industry and was shooting a, there's some movie they've been shooting up there for like a year now. And, um, and I was asking him about, and he's like, yeah, that's a few blocks over. It's not, but so many people get these stereotypes. I get offended by some of the stereotypes of San Francisco, my home city. Oh, there's needles (laughs) and feces everywhere. I'm like, 
dude, I don't know where or what. Stop watching Fox and Friends or whatever you're doing. Like this is right. that is not yeah. the whole city is not you know. It's yeah. uh, dude. Crazy. I gotta tell you, speaking of that, so I I went down a few times in the um, some of the the protests uh, over the summer in Portland. Um, you know, especially following. Um, murder of George Floyd and, and yeah. some of our local events here um, and was lucky enough to go. One of the nights I chose to go down was the, the first night that they did not tear gas. Um, oh, but it was still interesting to see, um, you know, just all that go down. And then um, I, I took this very, um, you know, quarantine before and quarantine after with with tests, COVID trip in the middle of the summer to um, to Tennessee for a project oh, wow. I was working on. Um, and I was sitting in the, the hotel room and, uh, Tucker Carlson came on okay. and you know, <laughs> just, I was like, Oh my God. Oh, I literally, I, I was screaming. Like it just, it just, it was, it was interesting. And I was oh, like, yeah, this gosh. is, um, this is a lot. Uh, I went to school in the Southeast, so it wasn't a complete shocker, but yeah, it was just like, Oh yeah, I forget <laughs> that this is how. This is also the people that think cannabis is plutonium, you know. Yeah, no, you're um, so – it's <laughs> so, so funny you bring this up. Uh, we were just talking about this before. It's almost like you were on the line before you were on the line. We were just talking – because I was in, in Tennessee for four years and then and Mia's originally from the southeast. Mm-hmm. We were just talking about the mentality in the southeast. This is so ironic. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, this is – you know, Lance, I do this. I show up in the conversation. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, you never I pull any punches. I love it. Smoke, so. <laughs> you're, you're one of the few young ladies that's always busted my chest. Chops in a good way, because <laughs> you, you don't take shit, and that's that's where the respect comes in for me as someone like you. It's so candid, but it is it's it's interesting and it's tough. I mean, you're you're right. Hearing people like like that, like Tucker. I mean, he puts the ooh in tool for me. He's just like, ugh, you know, like, dude, this is so narrow minded, and you know, get with the ages, not just with the, the generations, but you know, come around. But we were talking about how there's, there's a lot of people that are pro. I know some guys that are putting out fire down in North Georgia, you know, off, off Blood Mountain down there and just doing a great job. And, yeah. you know, when, when legal comes around and it's, it's not an if, it's a when. I'm, I'm not, you know, being overly assumptive. I think it's reality. Um, but I, I, I would say, I mean, all the states, in this, maybe, maybe not Alabama, but I mean, Tennessee definitely is, is open and known. Georgia is, is definitely their forward thinking. Yeah. I mean, it's the Carolinas. I, There's already great stuff happening with hemp. You know that, Liz. We, we've talked about that. I think, yeah. Before. I mean, I, I lived in Asheville before, uh, oh, before Portland. So I was, more. Um, kind of Colorado, <laughs> Asheville for, shit, I think they were there for about four years, which is really what launched my... Um, I got involved with with Women Grow when I was back then and really just like blew up my network of, you know, found all these other women organizations and there was all these women brewers in Asheville. And so it was just fantastic. I'm a a huge fan of supporting other other women um, in the workplace and in life. So that was a great catalyst for me. But, yeah, being in Asheville around that time, um, shit, probably, like I said, we've been in Portland six years it was like right on the cusp. Um, the culture there is, is, you know, Western North Carolina is a lot different than the West. Oh, of the state. yeah. Yeah. Um, that is like the Republic. Yeah. Asheville is like it's just like Austin or Boulder or Bend. I mean, it's really yeah. for those that don't know, Asheville pretty much is the Biltmore is what it's known for. But it's like it's to your point, like the Trustafarians there and the hipsters. There, there's a scene yeah. that is not I mean, North Carolina. Wilson College. That's, yeah. You know, when yeah. We have normal meetings around there. That's where yep. the stuff came from. <laughs> yep. Yeah. hundred percent. It's it's very true. 
And I think it's just, you know, it's, again, we don't like to, you're the same as me, Liz, and I think me is as well, like as much as you don't like to compare cannabis to the alcohol industry, they are the two that were under prohibition, were, are under prohibition at one point. So it's easy to compare, but it's just like with alcohol in the Southeast and how dominant it was during prohibition, like people are going to keep doing what they're doing. And just because you can buy it in the store or just because you can't buy it in the store and you can be arrested for it doesn't mean they're going to give it up. So yeah, I think it's true. There's definitely, you know, there's, there's more on the scene down there than people know. And, and even the um, te- what they have in Nashville. We're just talking about the hemp. Southern Hemp uh, Expo. Southern Hemp Expo, mm-hmm. which I know a few yep. friends that have gone down there the last couple of years. And um, and again, to your point, Liz, a good balance, right? It's not just, a, <laughs> this is what kind of drove me nuts. <clears throat> I'll tell you, when I was at Bovida, you know, I, I would avoid going to the East Coast. Like I'd send my sales manager or someone else to do the shows on the East Coast because I did one in Boston and it was just two stuffy suit, middle-aged, uh, you know, late-age white guys. I was like, this is not a good representation of not just the industry, but of the society from a, from a census demographic standpoint, you know? And, and so I was a little, little turned off by, you know, what I saw as far as those players in the market in, and again, in mass and in Connecticut and New York, New Jersey. Um, but again, you go down to the Carolinas and it's a whole different story. It's really interesting. So um, that's great no, stuff it's- though. No, it's funny, Lance. Um, I, you know, all those guys look a lot different uh, when they're buying weed at fish shows than when they're walking the, uh, the <laughs> very, floor. Very and true, Liz. They, they still don't know what they're talking about. So uh, I'm just kidding. No. Uh, oh, you called no, it. It's, um, it. It definitely, I bring that point up just as um, me, I think, you know, from like our, our mutual friends at, at Willie's Reserve and mm-hmm. some other folks like music and cannabis and that whole culture, and it just plays in so much, which is why I think you have these these different hubs and you have, you know, it, like you said, it's just because it's illegal. I mean, that's it's probably part of the culture, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah no, I, it, it is interesting. I do, I, I think that more and more as this opens up, um, you know, it's, yeah, it's it's weird to see what influences what. Uh, you it's know, true. but I think more and more people will continue to become more educated as they get more access to it, as they don't have this like awful first experience anymore. Um, you know, and yeah, you know, maybe it's more so an educated maybe get first a little experience. bit of relief. It's the same people that are trying mushrooms through the first time. Now, right? There you go, psilocybin. That's a whole other <laughs> next time. Next time. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you, Liz. I definitely want to thank you for being on, not just for being a friend, but for being on the show and and coming here. We're all about having individuals that have that foundation of education. You've always been one of those individuals in this industry. So we thank you for that. Thank you for being a part of this today. And we look forward to catching up again soon. Keep up the great work, Liz. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you, Mia. And on behalf of Mia and myself, have a wonderful, wonderful week. And always remember... The Good Portlandia vibes. theme in the background. That is the Portlandia theme. Man, washed out. I loved it. We were talking about what to do, and I just love this song so flows no matter what you're medicating on. True. <laughs> All right. Thanks again, Liz. You're listening to Hayes Radio Network, Cannabis Lifestyle Radio.